So make art because you love. Don't make art just to sell them. You're going to sell them. This episode is sponsored by my free ebook, The Artist Profit Plan. If you're stuck when it comes to selling art, you're going to love my tips for either getting you going to get your first sales coming in or to break through to the next income level. To get your hands on that, go to shulmanart.com forward slash profit. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hey there, my friend. This is Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode 162 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so grateful that you're here. Today, we're talking to a installation artist who sold out her sculptural collection in 2020. You're going to love all of her juicy tips. Today's guest is a Brazilian artist originally from Rio de Janeiro who is now based in New York. She's a sculptor and a multimedia artist working in glass, ceramics, and photography. Her work speaks to archetypical themes of life, death, love, violence, and ambition. Her visual language is universal and a mode of vehicle for all that cannot be articulated through words. This artist sees her sculpture as snapshots of the mind and soul at a particular point in time. Her work is humanist, often relating to the body or the absence of the body. The ceramic, metal, and glassworks grapple with global issues that spark strong emotions. Please welcome to the inspiration place, Simone Kesselman. Well, hey there, Simone. Welcome to the show. Hi. So thank you for having me and including me. I can tell you how thankful I am to be here. This is my first experience in podcast. And uh, as an artist, I really like to be at my studio and I love to create. So I'm happy to be here with you today to share a bit of myself with all those people. My listeners don't know. I know Simone in real life. And I've been to her amazing studio and I've seen her amazing art. I can't wait to bring this conversation to everyone. So let's talk about your incredible artwork. A lot of it is very much installation-based. Would you say that's true? Yes. So I'm not a businesswoman. I am an artist. So I use my medias to create works of art that exist somewhere between reality and fantasy. I use beauty and lightness to encourage people to face their relationships with love, life, fear of death, and sadness, betrayal, like all life things, everything that happens to us. I use fragile materials when like sturdiness is expected to remind that we don't always know what is resilient until it's put under pressure. One of my, my famous artwork that I made in Brazil before I left, I show in a big museum that are called Mubi Museums, a Brazilian museum of uh, sculpture. Like I had a series that I was used to remind everyone that we should protect those who are helpless. So Cantigas in Portuguese means lullabies. 
the music that we used to sing for our kids when they are young. So what I did, like I got seven lullabies and I connected those lullabies to violence against children. This series presents like real size of little girls ceramic dress put together with symbolic elements of violence. This could throw us into a world of brutality against those children. The seven installation came together with three other installations. So total was 10 plus the mural. The main entrance was a, a cage with a dress. That's me when I feel myself when I was young. Because my father used to keep us protected, but he overprotected us. What comes to mind is there's the book, The Memory Keeper's Daughter, where they have like on the cover, all you see, and maybe you're not familiar with the book, but on the cover, <laughs> all, all you have is like that white christening dress with nothing in it. And that dress by itself is such a powerful symbol because the human element isn't there and the absence of the human element actually brings more attention mm-hmm. to the person who would occupy that dress. And the same experience is what I have with your work with the, the dress in the cage to me. And I, I'm not sure if these are some of the things you may have shared with me and I just don't remember you telling <laughs> me or if these are things that I actually like. Okay. okay all right. Okay. To me, it's kind of like, the femininity is our cage, like our what we put on to be women is part of what is trapping us. And so having the dress without the person, it actually calls more attention to the person. And then it can be anybody in that dress. It's like makes it yes. feel very universal. Would you yes. like to say more about that? And please correct me when I yes, like, totally no, interpreted your that, art. Okay. No, you're perfect. That's was the idea. So like, I'm very emotional when I talk about my work. I never had any kind of problem in my childhood. People think that I, I talk about this because I had, but I did, I did not have. You can put yourself in that place and feel whatever you need to feel to overcome or to understand. The emptiness was like to be filled with something. I never read this book but might be a book that I would love to read. That's what you said is exactly what I, w- I would like to show. So all my dresses was made of ceramic and I used my daughter's dress to make them. So they are real size dresses. I hung them in a way that people could see a girl in there. That's perfect what you said. And those emptiness of the dress to recall objects and at the same time to compel us to fill them with, with the consciousness of the pain of non-being. So when you can feel that pain, so then you can overcome. So, and that's why I create this art piece is that if a pain or if a, a violence could inspire someone, because I don't feel that inspired me, that was the way that I found to scream for people that can't scream. I could get the the point that I was looking for. So, And as women, we don't have to have had experienced violence in our life to mm-hmm. feel the trappings of what it is to go through life where you may not have as it's like that invisible cage that is around us, whether it's because 
there are true things holding us back or we've socialized ourselves mm-hmm. to be small, to be quiet, to not take up space, to not make as many waves in the world because women have been taught, and this is cross cultures, to be quiet, to be small. Uh-huh. I don't know if I mentioned to you one of the installations that is not the seven, the parts, the seven lullabies. For this one, I had no lullaby because uh, I made a pile of shoes that then people reminds people about Holocaust, but it was not about that. There is a anchor that once she went to India and she posted a picture that picture hurt myself. I thought about this work almost every day, but I, I made that like after two years after she posted that image, that was a garbage for kids when they don't want to have them, like they are pregnant, but if it's a girl and they don't want to have a girl, they can disposable them alive. And at the end of the day, they fire them, they burn them. So that hurts me. So I cried for like a month and I cried a lot when I was making my, my sculpture. I call undesired. So the pile of shoes, of girls' shoes, is about the girls that are not desired. People don't, don't want them because just because they're girls. So I got a prize from United Nations in 2013 as the Artist Activist of the Year because of this sculpture. And I was invited to show this show in China, but they blocked me because they don't want to show this there. Because that's where it's a bigger problem, right? It's the gr- problem. girls that people don't want who end up get, getting adopted by... Yeah. And at the end, I think, you know what? Like I had a collector that wants to buy, but I didn't sell any of this collection because this work that I made is not to be sell. This work I made to show for people. And I showed this like in a lot of places in the U.S. since I arrived, I had a lot of shows in museums and, and also in other places. So in galleries and like schools about Cantigas, maybe one day I will sell, but not now because I want to show. And when you sell to some collector, then they keep them like they don't want to show them. <laughs> so that's why I decided to have this special one to show. So after that, I create invisible. When I arrived to the US, I began to continue to do that, to talk about other things that I, I'm seeing or feeling. So I created an exhibition called Invisible, comprised by pieces made of ceramic, also glass and metal, depicts of the way in which human emotion can sometimes seem almost supernatural, occasionally demoniac, and then it, like manifest themselves. So I use a lot of razors. I use barbed wires. I use like knives. I use everything that hurts. Sometimes hurts more, not the element, but those people that are feeling that. So the words also, sometimes words can hurt you more than everything. Invisible was focused on what happens for those who have locked away or shut their emotions. The piece of invisible also captures barrier we manufacture like and protect our bodies. So that's why I use a lot of razor blades. Because for me, I'm addicted to razor blades because my mom never allowed me to play with razor blades. Not today, but the razor blades have been used sometimes for hurt ourselves. 
we don't know. Sometimes we don't know how to overcome. And we sometimes if you hurt yourself, you feel less pain that you're feeling. You know what I mean? Like the pain is higher than the pain you're feeling inside. You're referring to women and perhaps not just women who cut themselves to mm-hmm. yeah. to yeah. alleviate the, the emotional pain by feeling a physical pain that may be yes. greater than the emotional the, pain. The emotional pain, yes. I'm so addicted to razor blade that blades that I have a six feet tall razor blade in my home. It's like, for me, it's like a protection. When you say you're addicted to razor blades, do you mean you're addicted to the icon of the razor blade? You're not saying that you cut yourself, right? No, no. I just wanted to make sure that's clear. Okay. I'm addicted to... Representing it in your art. Yeah, because my mom never allowed me to play. I know this like five years ago because she got hurt by a razor blade in a park kid's place, like in a seesaw. She told me like when she saw, because I made a seesaw full of razor blades inside the glass. My goal in this collection, Invisible, was to encourage viewers to face the fault structures that contain or restrain our emotions, if you understand me. Sometimes repairing old ones grow easier and healing for, from the trauma and may become like more bearable. And I have on my website, the sculptures, you can understand what I'm saying. Okay, so I have a couple of very important questions because I want to okay. understand <laughs> your inspiration. Okay. So what comes first for you with, let's use the razor blade as an example. What comes first uh-huh. for you? The, the icon of the razor blade and then making meaning out of all those things? Or is it the meaning that you want to convey and then the razor blade comes to mind? What is your process with in yeah. your inspiration and communicating that idea? I have to tell you, like I never sketch any of my works. I don't know what happens. I go to my studio with an idea and suddenly the idea changes and at the end I have a completely different work. So sometimes I feel that someone is working through me. I have this feeling. As an artist, I know a lot of artists, if they are hearing me now, they're going to say, that's me. Oh my God. Because I used to talk about that with other artists and they say, Simone, I feel the same. So the Greeks had a word for this, the way they talk about the muses. And that's mm-hmm. because it's a phenomenon that a lot of artists feel that we're yeah. just being channeled. And I know with myself personally, when I'm able to turn off my conscious brain, which is why I like to actually distract myself when I do my art, like I'll listen to a podcast, something that's completely different. <laughs> and I might look up, it's like, oh, I did that. I don't remember doing this. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, that's, it's like. That's true. Once I had this museum show and they said, oh, Simone, we need your sketchbook to show. And I said, what? Sketchbook? I don't have that. Oh, how you you make your process, how you create everything? And I said, oh, it comes from my mind, I think. And I make everything. I don't sketch them. And then I had to create a sketchbook to show (laughs) during the exhibition because I didn't have. So. My response for you is that I don't have what comes first. Sometimes I think about like, oh, I'm going to make a stool with razor blades. And at the end, I have something different, especially when I'm sculpting. When I have clay and tools in my hand, nothing that I think comes the way I want doesn't come the way I thought. 
is different. So it's good because I'm healing myself and I'm helping other people to heal themselves. It's nice. That's beautiful. Okay, so I do want to talk about how you do sell and market your pieces because now you are a self-representing artist and a lot of my listeners are as well. But before Uh we get there, I do want to talk more about one of my favorite installations of yours, which is the pearl necklace piece. Let's talk about that. Okay, so the pearl necklace. Before Marilyn Monroe, the best friend of a woman was pearl. Coco Chanel, for example, why she used pearls in her collection. She used to have pearls because she used to wear a pearl necklace that she received as a gift because she was a mistress. So he gave to her a pearl necklace and she used to wear that. That's why she made collection based on pearls because to match with her pearls necklace. For me, pearls are like very special because somehow a pearl is a protection the shell creates to protect herself from something that they get into her. I create that pearl necklace because I, I was always thinking about my husband gave me first that he gave to me was a pearl necklace. So I'm wearing pearls now. So I, I love pearls. And I think pearls is very unique because besides they can make them, like if you think about the real pearls, the real ones that comes from the shells that they are not doing anything different to make that, each one is different. So it's hard for you to match colors, match size, match sometimes even like if they are more round, more like different. So I create this pearl necklace to show my love to my husband, to show how much I love him and how much he's important for me in the relationship, the marriage, and the everything that came after that, that, that my kids, everything we have together. So let me describe it for our listeners who have not seen it. And Simone, if you have a picture of the installation, if you can send it to us, then we can include that on the show notes. Okay, I will. Pearl necklace. We know what a regular pearl necklace is, but these pearl necklaces, each pearl, it's almost the size of a bowling ball. I would say eight eight inches. Eight inches. So each (laughs) pearl is eight inches. And what Simone has done in the installation is they're usually hanging from a tree branch and the pearl necklace kind of spills into the yard. The pearl necklace is also often broken with some of those pearls loose from the rest of the chain. So that begs a lot of questions about why you made those specific choices. Why put it in a tree? Why have it broken? What do each of those pearl beads then represent that have come loose from that chain? Yeah, I made that first time I installed in front of my home. Then I moved to the Chase Park where we live. There I had to put together. I had problems in my home because people that used to come take pictures and stop and Kids used to play with the balls. (laughs) So then I decided to put them together. But the seven balls, like my luck number and everything I do, you can see and count. I have a number seven. So it represents uh, everything that attached me to my, my life and to my happiness. So I have seven pros. Then attached to the seven pros is like about love, endearment, rest, 
creation, blessing females and brides. So it's about this. It's about the relationship. It's about love. It's about feelings. It's about everything that is inside myself. But then I put them together because the kids were playing. So, but it's about that. I made a play. When the people stop, they understand that's just not a string. It's much bigger than that for me. Sometimes, you know, like art is like that. Some people see differently. And that's the idea. My idea was to having a show, uh, like a piece of art that I could show my happiness to be with my husband and my family. But for other people, they see differently. So my neighbor, she said, I used to come to the pearls, to the pearl necklace to pray because my mom passed away two months before you installed the pearl necklace. So for me, she sent that pearl necklace close to me to remind me that she's still watching me. So you see differently. She didn't right. see a, a relationship of a husband and wife. She see a relationship between her and her mother. So that makes me extremely happy because I never thought about someone is coming to my pearls just to talk to her mom. And she said, I used to come. Now that it, she told me, I used to see her there. So it, it's interesting. It's so amazing how our art takes on these meanings mm -hmm. for other people. And I'm wondering if this, this person who was seeing art, it was, did she have a connection to Catholicism and Rose, what's called Rose? Now I'm showing my Jewishness. What were the beads <laughs> that Catholics pray with? Ah, I know. Yeah, I don't know. Rosario. In Portuguese, it's Rosario. Okay. It's a, you count like a count and then you, I don't know. I never, I, I'm Jewish, I'm converted, but I never pray in Rosario. So my mom knows everything. I don't, I don't. I'm much more Jewish than Catholic. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering if it, if for that person, it had, that's what also had like uh -huh. a, why it brought on a religious prayerful state for her was because of the connotation with the beads. You know that after the Invisible that I had a show in my gallery in March 7th, then we have the lockdown on March 9th. So after that, I thought about, oh my God, what I'm going to do? Now I have a space, I have my studio, I can work perfectly by myself because I love to work by myself. And then I decide to create something outdoor because of the Everybody loves the pearls. Everybody loves the balls that I have outside that is about the beginning of life. So I also have seven big balls outside my home. So then I create the show that I call the Resiliard because people used to come and walk, drive by my home and stop by because that's the only thing that we could do, walk outdoor. And then they say, oh, I love to stop here. I love to see this. I love to see that. And then I thought, oh, my God, why am I doing? I have to help those people to have beauty in this horrible time. And then I, I create this project that I call Resiliat, that I invited people in our Facebook moms here to, to say, like, uh, who wants to have a sculpture outdoor that could bring us happiness? I thought about no one is going to have. No one is going to say me. So I have tons. I have lots of people wanting. And then I has, oh my God, I have only three ones that I can make. But at the end, I made 17. And I installed those sculptures around our, our village. And people can, could walk. So I made a map. 
and they walk and they see and they love and they make comments and they write papers, put in my mailbox. So that made me so happy, so, so happy. I made the show, begin the show on May. It's supposed to end in August, but then the uh, newspaper and the magazine from our place, they asked me if they, I could stay until October. So then they could make a big, like a publication saying, showing everybody the love that I was spreading. And so at the end, I took the piece uh, out like in October, not because they don't resist because they are perfect during snow, during the hurricanes. I never lost one piece. So they are made of glass and they are made of ceramic. So I have ceramic flowers garden and I have warriors. I create glass sculptures that is normally like six feet tall and they represent our inner selves, our strength during a moment that we don't know that we can have. So like, you know, like we'll say, oh my God, what I'm going to do now? I can't handle this. We can handle everything. We just need to stop, breathe, and I'm going to do that. January, I begin to receive messages from all my neighbors and collectors that say, what is next? What are we going to have next? Can you repeat the the same thing and say, okay, I'm not going to repeat the same thing, but I'm going to make something close to that, that I call restart. Restart is this about flowers and about warriors because my flowers never wilt, So they are always beautiful all the time. So like we have to be, my, my artwork changes like we do during the summer, during the spring, during the fall, during the winter. We change. And now my work changed like we do. I create Restart. This time I had more people applying. So I made 25 houses. So... <laughs> It's so like grateful for me because it's like everybody love. And why should we make beautiful things on to have them put away from everybody's eyes? Why I cannot share my art with people that wants to have and wants to, even if it's temporarily, they will have that. Anyone from all age, backgrounds, and abilities, they can experience outdoor art and feel something. That's why for me it was so emotion, so good. That's beautiful. By the way, if you're a big fan of what we talk about here on the podcast every single week, then you absolutely can't miss my free ebook. It's called The Artist Profit Plan. I talk about the five things you must do to sell more art, plus let you know what you're doing that's probably wasting our time. I'm giving this ebook to you for the very, very, very low price of absolutely free. So head on over to shulmanart.com forward slash profit and download it today. All right. So I have a lot of questions to ask you. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned, first of all, you were in a gallery. Was that gallery here in the US or in Brazil, the gallery that you were in that closed? Because I had my, my own space to show my work that I call gallery. Oh, so you, in other words, you were using your studio. I have a studio and a gallery. You were using uh-huh. your studio and your studio to bring collectors through mm-hmm. to show your art. And you couldn't do that anymore because of the restrictions, yes, right? Yes. So you were forced to bring it outdoors. You weren't forced to. You chose to bring it outdoors. <laughs> Thank you very much. Did this lead to sales and commissions? 
Yeah, I sold almost everything. Yeah. Almost everything. I didn't sell for those people that said, I want, but I cannot afford. And I say, if you want and you cannot afford, you're going to have, even if it's a temporary time. When I made that, my idea was not to sell them, but I'm, I became very happy, of course, because I sold all of them. And after that, a lot of people, they begin to see my work and say, oh my God, I love this. I love that. And they begin to call me. So I had like tons of commissions. I had to suspend commissions during the, a certain time because I cannot like get everything. Because I like to think about people smiling at the blooming flowers in the early days of spring. But my, my flowers, they bring this joy year round to everyone, especially to those worn by the darkness. So when you finish the winter, beginning the winter, and you have like all those poppy flowers in the middle of the snow, it's so cool. People say, do you have pictures? So I have to take pictures of them to post like during the snow, during the winter, during the summer. During... So each time is different and each time brings a different joy. It's nice. That's fantastic. It was an outdoor installation, but it was also a marketing event because people were talking about it. It was very Insta-worthy, all these sculptural gardens. Is that what you would call it? A sculptural garden or? Yeah, I call it yeah, outdoor sculpture. Okay, the outdoor sculpture. Uh-huh. How do you use Instagram to help amplify what you're doing artistically and to market your work? I begin to post on my Instagram. People that used to see my work, they used to repost or they used to post pictures that they see and hashtag me, and then other people begin to follow me and see me. And so I got some clients, even I got clients if like from California, from Michigan, from different places, because they saw my work and they saw this outdoor sculpture. So pretty cool, pretty amazing. So then those people that buy, they used to post and then other people begin to see. So like, I told you, I'm much better an artist than a businesswoman. I think you're a better businesswoman than you give yourself credit. You know, like, I cannot say this too loud because if my husband hears me, he's going to kill me. But I don't make my work to be sell. I make my work because I have so many love in, inside myself. And I need to, to show this. I need to put this away. I need to express this. Here's the way I would, I would put it. There's nothing wrong with what you said, by the way. <laughs> a long time ago, one of my kids' elementary school teachers was at my house for an open studio and she was collecting art. And she said, you're not doing this for the money, right? I forget exactly what she said, something like that. Uh-huh. And I said to her, I am not making my art for the money, but I am selling my art for the money. So the choice to make it has nothing to do with, with the monetary reasons. But once I make the decision to sell it, then I am selling it yeah. for money. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Some of them I don't want to sell. Has this happened to you? This has totally happened to me. <laughs> I have sold things where I'm like, I want to get it back. I was like, why did I sell that? Like, I should have kept it. I have one of my sculptures that I made that's super weird. If people can see on my Instagram, it's like, looks like a bone, chicken bone with like a human feet and a doll head that I have a collector. She has so many good artwork. She has one of the cage from Louise Bourgeois. She has one of them. And she said, tell me how much you want for this piece. And I did. 
I didn't sell to her. I said, you know what? I'm not prepared to sell this work. And she said, okay, take your time. When you're ready, let me know because I want to buy this work. So she's one of the biggest collectors in, in New York. She invited me to see her collection. And she has some of my works in her house. But this one, I can't sell. I don't know if you as an artist understand me. And it's in my house. I tell my housekeeper, don't touch, don't get up, get too close, because I'm very attached to that piece. Yeah, you, usually I don't realize I don't want to sell it until it's gone. <laughs> like, then I'm mad at myself. A lot of the art I do are paintings of my, of my children that I don't sell. But I have painted other things where I do miss those paintings. I miss them. Yeah. It's almost like an, a child that I had let get adopted. I have to tell you something. It's very secret. When we had the last hurricane here, I drove by the day after to all houses that I sold to check the artwork. People say, why you do that? Because they don't understand that even though I sold and I received money, they still mine like a... I feel them like one of my kids that married and like is living in another place yeah. now. It's like two clients said, oh, I saw you here. What, what happened? And I say, I just came by to check them. And she said, really? Why? And say, because it, they are yours, but still mine. It's like uh, I'm attached to my artwork. And I know most of the, the artists are like me. Like when we do art and we love what we do, no money pays. It often makes me feel better when I'm selling <laughs> to somebody who I'm friends with because I know I can visit it. I can visit the artwork. Yeah, that's good. So I have some of my works that I don't know where they are now. I don't even yeah. know. I sold for a collector in French once. I don't even remember his name because I sold in, a, in one of the fairs that I was. I was there. He introduced himself to me, but then the gallery took place of everything. I don't even know where the art is. It's sad, but it's okay. All right. This is a great place to wrap up. We will try to include pictures of Simone's art in our show notes. Don't forget to check out my free ebook called The Artist Profit Plan. You're going to dive deep going beyond the starving artist mindset to uncover what's really sabotaging your success. To grab your copy, head on over to shulmanart.com forward slash profit and download it today. I want to invite everyone to check out Simone's Instagram at Kesselman Simone, all one word, so her last name, then her first name. We'll put that in the show notes as well so that everyone can take a look at these incredible installations and follow you and gain from being inspired by all of your inspiration. You'll find all these places in the show notes at shulmanart.com forward slash 162. Simone, do you have any last words? Don't make art just to sell. Make art that comes from your inner self. What comes from inside of you, it comes with a lot of love together and a lot of feelings. The collectors, they see that feeling when they look at your art piece. They understand that something happened or they sometimes put themselves in that place or sometimes they feel that information that sometimes even you don't know that you put that. So make art because you love. Don't make art just to sell them. 
you're gonna sell them. I promise you because it happens. Sometimes it's hard. It is what it is. We are not and we have to survive and we have to sell. But make from your heart, make from your feelings, make from your love. That's what I want to say. And thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Artists will sometimes talk about any language and we understand. <laughs> well, all the artists listening to you are so happy that you spent this time with me today so that they can benefit from your inspiration as well. All right, my friend, that is what I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you the same time, same place next week. Stay inspired. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com. 